Hello and welcome to the Vorthox cast. I'm very tired. Uh, and I'm... I've done this a lot today. I've recorded a whole other episode today. I'm here too. <laughs> We're just doing the nonsense cast this week. Uh, it's yeah, not that's nonsense. Right. I'm really tired. I literally woke... <laughs> Y'all, we are starting late because I slept, overslept. Yeah, we, we dragged Lorelai out of bed, kicking and screaming, uh, and forced her to uh, record a podcast episode. <laughs> uh, Do we have any news? I didn't even look at news. Um, like, there's the Magic 30th. You know what? The, the news has oh. been nonstop. I haven't been able to stop it. I've been asking it to please, please stop tweeting about this it. This is our episode where we each get 20 minutes to talk about our thoughts on Magic 30. And then, no, no, we're we're not doing that. We're talking about the side story. What's the side stories with Dominari United? We got yeah. the Squee one, and we got the Weatherlight one. The Weatherlight one, and there's a Niambi one. Yeah, Niambi. Yeah. Um, but like in reality, there is like a whole bunch of 30th anniversary stuff. Y'all just go look that up yourself. Uh, there's some cool stuff that got buried. We got to see some Brothers War stuff. It's all. Oh, we did see Mishra. Yeah. So like weird thing about working on the set is like everyone's, you know, they announce the meld Urza, say there's two more meld pairs. One of them is Mishra. We'll show him off on, on, uh. Tuesday, and then people are like, wow, what do you think Mishra's gonna meld with? And I'm sitting here like, well, I can't tell you what's in the set, but literally at the end of the novel, he fuses with a dragon engine. To, um, to some defense, it happens for a very, very brief period of time. Uh, it, no, it is literally like one of the last paragraphs of the entire story. Yeah, which is the justification eternally given for like, why can't Squee get a Planeswalker card? And he's like, he's kind of around for like five or ten minutes like well it's even just like the whole urza mishra fight on argoth is like four sentences (laughs) like they they shoot each other with their little rocks and then mishra goes away and then he comes back comes back at the top of a dragon engine and then urza's like F this and blows everything up with the Golgothian silence. This is huge spoilers for the upcoming set, The Brothers War, <laughs> and it's huge set story. spoilers. Huge spoilers for a twenty-five-year-old oh. novel. <laughs> um, I'm gonna try and read it. I'm gonna try and read The Brothers War before the set bad. comes out. I've it's got not, it on my Kindle. I'm gonna do it. It's not bad. Um, the book is pretty clear that Urza sucks shit. Um. More that Urza is a complicated person who is not a good person, but uh, and and Mishra as well. And we're gonna have like a whole month of episodes to talk about this, though. Yeah, Ash, Ash, so. and Thanos are great. TBQH. I think they're they're the big draws to this book. I think they're both wonderful. Um. Anyway, Squee. <laughs> yeah this this week we're doing our side stories and. Uh... We talked about the first two uh, in two previous episodes. The story about uh, d- the Raven Man. That one was a big one. Uh, and uh, what was the other story? Um, the Jared Carthelian. 
Oh yeah, that was when we because we barely talked about that story. We we mentioned it in passing because we had Jeff Gomez on. Um, so if you want to know about those stories, go read them and then also go listen to the episodes about them. Both of them guest episodes, yes. Yeah. We had Vorthos Nick on for the Raven Man. I was not here that day. I was also not here. Well, we're here today. <laughs> All right. Death and Salvation by Dan Sheehan. Who's definitely not a wolf. Squee. Squee story. People love Squee. He's back. He was in the last Dominaria set as a card, but didn't do anything. He got a card because he was just there. But because uh, he's like immortal and stuff. He dies and comes back to life is his shtick. Um, and so, uh, we learn that in the time since... I forget, did he show I don't think he showed up really in Time Spiral, but so really in the time since the apocalypse, since the Phyrexine invasion, um, Squee ended up becoming king of small goblin colony on Otaria, who lived deep underground. Uh, my assumption was these were like the Skirkridge goblins who kept digging and digging and missed Corona's War and the Rift Crisis and the Mending because they just kept digging and uh, lived under a mountain underground most of the time. Uh, anyway, so Squee, Squee is their king, and he's he's been a good king. Um, you know, he's a filthy monarchist, but, you know, we forgive him for that because he's silly. Uh, and so he, the story kind of starts with him with, with like a talk about goblin mortality and how easy it is for goblins to kill themselves and how their lives are big, wild adventures of uncertainty, you know, except for Squeeze. Because, um, you know, he dies and he just pops back to life and has been doing that for centuries now uh, and so he promises his people they can have a party if nobody dies for a week and they almost make it till somebody dies but also somebody was a phyrexian dun 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 because there's phyrexian sleeper agents it's very scary <laughs> what why are you laughing because <laughs> just the uh, it's just a funny story. It's a very funny story. Uh. So Squee talks to his most genius royal advisor named Bulp, who's this big hulking dumbass. <laughs> um, and he's like, Bulp, you gotta go warn the people of Otaria, everyone who's still here, anyone you can find, any village. I don't care if they like slap you around for being a goblin. You gotta warn them that Phyrexia is here. Mah, mah, mah. Uh, and learns that you can you can tell their sleeper agents if you shine a light into their eyes and look real close. Um, and so he talks to his head engineer. It's like, hey, turn off all our mana lamps. We've got to do some investigating. And, and she's like, dude, I could explode the whole mountain by effing around with those things. Like, why is this so important? And he's like, yeah, we'll be fine. This is worth the risk. And then she kills him. Because, by the way, sleeper agents. They'll get you. Uh, and so we see what happens to Squee when he dies all of these times. And he shows up in a mysterious 
big hallway and at the end there's a room with a huge feast uh and and there's a couple doors and then he kind of uh snaps back to life uh and so it turns out a whole bunch of the goblins are sleeper agents um and they they surround squee but then he's saved by bulb Oh, but Bulp isn't real. Bulp is an illusory thing and uh, exists just to torment Squee because you know who's behind all this? Uh, the last Phyrexian that Squee saw, Urtai, that he killed. Uh, Squee and Urtai's circle of torments and tortures goes back Till Ertai was just a dude on the weather like because he was an asshole and sucked. Uh, and, and Squee was very dumb, and Ertai was very superior about being smart. And then as a Phyrexian, he tortured and killed Squee again and again and again until Squee accidentally killed him, and now he's back, resurrected by Shieldred. And uh, he explains all his, like... I can't believe I killed you all this time, and in the end you got me, blah, 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 revenge plot crap. Uh, as Squee is completed, and we have Phyrexian Squee, uh, our notes say Murderbot 5000, which isn't an official name, but I'll allow it here. Um, I, and I like the description of, like, oh, Squee, of the thought process within Squee, Phyrexian Squee that is like still very much Squee but also very much Phyrexia and he's like testing out all his weapons and he like his hand like unfurls and like shoots out like a razor boomerang or something I forget exactly what it is and it like accidentally cuts a rope and a rock falls on Squee and kills and, it, and he dies again um uh, and and explodes like everything is great um and so he turns up in this dead realm uh this afterlife again and uh starts talking to a voice who identifies itself only as salvation um because it turns out that squeeze toy this piece of the legacy of Urza's legacy that he's held on to the whole time is like a super duper ancient object not from Dominaria called the Salvation Sphere, which has been uh, essentially made a made a backup of Squeeze Soul, um, and combined with the curse that Yogmuth gave him to reconstitute his physical body. Uh, has been just like photocopying his soul and putting it back in his reconstituted physical body. And the combination Salvation's Failure, Yogmuth Curse has been the thing looping Squee this whole time. Um, and he talks to Salvation, who's like, hey, Phyrexianization separated your soul from your flesh, which means like, you could die. You could die for real. This could be the end for you. Or, you know, I can plug your soul back into your skin. Uh, and we go back to the normal cycle. I'm going to leave that up to you, Squee. And Squee is like, I'm a very smart goblin. I've got a third idea. Not the first thing, not the second thing, but a secret third thing. A secret third thing. 
Uh, he wants to see what's behind door number three, a door that no one on the game show knew existed. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he makes a deal with Salvation. He gets to come back 100% cured from completion, his regular old body. But this is it. He don't want to be reborn again. He wants this life to matter. He wants this life to be filled with the excitement that all goblins feel. That any moment could be their last. Uh, he wants to feel lucky when he narrowly doesn't die. Instead of just shrugging, dying again, reconstituting, and living a, frankly, boring life. Uh, and so now Squeeze back. And he's mortal. And Bulp's alive. And it's the real Bulp, uncorrupted. Uh, and he and Squee walk off into the sunset, dumbasses together, to warn the rest of Otaria that Phyrexia is back. This was such a good story. It's really, <laughs> it's, the writing in the story is really good and way snappier than the summary is, partially because I'm, again, just woke up. But I think that was pretty good, given my circumstances. So go me. Uh, no, the the story is just very lighthearted and just kind of like frolics along from scene to scene, and it's it was just really delightful. It was really funny. Um, it the prose is appropriate for goblins and for the silliness of goblins. It was just goofy in a really really lighthearted and enjoyable way, which I think is like really nice for a story, you know, especially a main set story that had you know deception and horror and lots of bad things happen and uh so even even a story that still involves sleeper agents and completion of a hero and all that it, it got to be a light-hearted story and i like that and urtai like one of the main set villains yeah yeah <laughs> like he was just also there he's so pretty urtai by like his association with squee in the story is actually like really funny because he's like this, the like foil to Squee, where he's like this very serious, very evil Phyrexian, and Squee is just so funny, like by nature of his very existence, that it's just, it's just great. I want more uh, Squee versus Urtai is what I want. I want that to just be a recurring, uh-huh. recurring thing in Dominaria. Uh huh. It is. Um... Yeah, I'm happy we got a squeeze story, a proper squeeze story. It has just been um, quite a long time, and this seems like the natural place when Urtai is immediately back. But, yeah, I like goblin stories. Me too. And I like Dan Sheehan. That was like a really good choice of author. He did a great job. Uh, He's well known as uh, being definitely not a wolf on Twitter, so... (laughs) Uh, if you've been wondering, like, who is definitely not a wolf and has gotten, like, preview cards in the past, that's Dan Sheehan. Uh, very, very funny author. Huh, I actually did not know that. Yeah, that's the same person. Uh, that's why I said Dan Sheehan is definitely not a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that I is, that is actually... Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, he's like a big-time comedy writer. He's written a lot of comedy. Um, he's written for, like, The Onion, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, he's written, now he's written a squeeze story for Magic the Gathering, so. It's kind of a new top thing, you know? Next up we have Shards of Nightmare, 
by Phoebe Barton, um, the fourth side story in Dominaria. The Braid side story, as everybody was excited to um, find out. Braid's getting return on a card and then getting to be actually featured in a story. Um, so someone thought it was a good idea to cover the Weatherlight in Phyrexian Detritus. Who? I don't know, but I would like to talk to them about oil. <laughs> it was a disguise plot. It was a, we are flying over Phyrexian territory. Maybe we won't get assaulted if we are looking like a Phyrexian ship. Um, you do have to consider that the Weatherlight is kind of like a living organism, though. So, <laughs> yeah, didn't exactly work out as planned. Um, Tiana is not a fan of the Phyrexian stuff, and she's correct. <laughs> the Weatherlight is attacked by a bone dragon, and we have do have the card for that, and makes an allergic emergency landing in Otaria, which is not a very good place to be. Tiana knows they need new parts to fly, and Raph feels a strong magical force nearby where they might find parts, so Shauna leads them on a trek over to the magic witches. A swirling nightmare dome of evil and death. And uh, also Braids is there and shows up. (laughs) Uh, Braids from Odyssey Block character. more Probably more infamous for the card than the character at this point. Because the card is banned in Commander. And was banned as a Commander prior to being fully banned in the merger of those lists. Um, the, The Stax Commander, you know her. Um, she's a nightmare now and terrifying. Uh, somebody also wrote terrifying Lee hot at the end of that. I'm not sure who that was. Look, I'm just, I'm just saying if, you know, if that's your thing, if that's your thing, right. that's a lot of people's if, things if on Twitter. Thing. So <laughs> she's just kind of an evil nightmare lady now. And you know, some people, I won't name names are kind of into that. Yeah. So Anyways, I just want to clarify, I was not involved with any of this agenda writing. This is not (laughs) me. I did not endorse any of these comments. Until now. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I wouldn't be alone. I mean, I knew whoever wrote the agenda would not be alone. It's probably uh, Jay, honestly. (laughs) Um, So Braids is there and explains that there's a big mech with all sorts of good parts down in the crater. But there's also a shard of braids who will totally use nightmares to kill them if they all go in there. Um, so she naturally thinks it's a great idea to send them all in alone. <laughs> uh, Shana, Tiana, and Raph all go into their own doors into the nightmare bubble. Uh, we see Shana's encounter with a version of Sisse, original Sisse, uh, who calls her a failure and shows her images of her crew phyrexianized and or dead. Um, Shauna fights back, claiming they can face anything together, um, power of friendship, etc. <laughs> then she smashes the <laughs> fake Sisei to bits, and the three crew members join together at the bottom of the crater and face off against Shard Braids, and defeat her together with some help from real Braids, like, the, the quote-unquote good Braids, as, as good as a Braids can be. <laughs> Um, after gathering some parts, they head back to find... Oh, who could have expected this? The Weatherlight is phyrexianized and tainted forever. 
and um, is now shooting lasers at the crew and vaporizes a whole bunch of very important members of the crew. Um, I couldn't locate any of their names, but they were critical to the operation of the ship. <laughs> oh, no. And they're all, they, they had names. They're all fan favorite characters, names. you know? Uh, Tiana and Shana fly up to the ship to rescue the most important things, which are um, the core of the ship being the Sarah's Realm Power Stone, the Sarah's Realm Power Stone, and also Slimefoot. Um, and Very important to rescue Slimefoot. And before flying away. So basically, bad plan. Didn't go well at all. And this was main story 2.25 as far as i'm concerned because it was it was the setup for how the weather light got phyroxianized we talked about it in the main story episode that basically there's a side story to explain how it happened the explanation for how it happened was bad choices by a lot of the existing crew to let phyroxian debris be strapped to their ship that is known to be susceptible living wood so (laughs) (laughs) and And, living metal and living metal yeah Yeah, just everything um so yeah the weather light's gone for good it will never return ever again and we can all mourn it finally this one final time but next return to dominaria i'm sure we'll get a new card for it (laughs) (laughs) They're just gonna plug the power stone into the uh, golden Argosy and uh, make that. Gonna call it a day. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then you get to see where the weatherlight picks up when um, everybody evil gets control of it later in the main story. But yeah, yeah. Ertai's like the captain now because of course he is. Yeah, because they needed to make it like a cool reference to the historical past. Which, you know, kind of cliche in a whole Dominaria set, don't you think? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a... A lot of stuff happened in that story. Yeah, I was uh, I was not the biggest fan of it. Mostly because it, it was like... We were so disconnected from the Weatherlight crew as was. A lot of the story, like... A lot of the main and side story is people discovering that Phyrexians are a threat and so this is like the kind of bigger one where it's like you expect the weather like crew to be like actively fighting against them and of course they fuck up and you know get their ship taken so um i i didn't really care for like the weather light wasn't that powerful of a symbol imo for like Oh, and the most insulting thing they could do is phyrexianize the weather light. Like, yeah, that's pretty insulting, but like, people did die. <laughs> <laughs> people did die and get completed. So, um, I don't know. And and it's also one of those things where it's like the the weather light has been rebuilt before. So, who knows? Yeah, the story had to do a lot, and it like it had to phyrexianize the weather light, and it had to reintroduce braids, and it had to like give us some weather light crew moments. Yeah, and I feel like uh, it was a lot to ask of one story, and, it, and, and also we don't really see mm-hmm. the weather light at all in between Dominaria, the original block, and this one. So like 
when people were like, we want more moments with this crew from Dominaria original block, um, not getting to have those until this, which is like the corporate mandated story that has to um, check three different boxes is a little, a little stressful, but as is the way I'm sure we we've discussed enough in the main set story episode in our review of the final story. So, Hey, three of the crew members got cards in alchemy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We got a Tiana and an Arvod and a slime foot. L- legit. I think Arvod's card is sick as shit. I think it's, I think sweet. That also but, has to contribute uh, to it. Cause like, I didn't remember that these, like I, I'm conscious. I remember that these people exist on Dominaria, but it was one of those things where it's like they weren't really present or super present in the cards. Um, Shauna is definitely on one. Um, Slimefoot's on the explore looking card. Yeah, but again, we mm-hmm. didn't get legendary creatures for them, so I'll, I'll backpedal on my legendary creatures are bad for a second to say. They do let me remember that characters exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the only complaint I really have in terms of like, well, I won't say the only a complaint I do have is that like, this is the story where we get the weatherlight crew and we get like three seconds with each of the crew members yes. or less with the exception of Shanna, who is like, wow, a really cool crew member. Um, like I, I wanted moments with Raph. I wanted more Raph. Raph is really good. He's good in this story. Like, the moments he's in the story are good. But, like, it's just very brief. And it made me sad. And part of the charm of, like, the Weatherlight crew as a concept is that you have these interpersonal relationships. And at least with the original Weatherlight crew, you got to have that. And there were these deep connections and betrayals and all kind of intrigue that went into who these characters were as people left and joined the crew. And this one is both static and um, slightly expendable when it comes to a Phyrexianized ship. So yeah, that's uh shards of nightmare by Phoebe Barton. Uh, it's like pivotal to the main story plot, but also like, yeah, for the people who weren't reading <laughs> the side stories, I definitely saw some reactions on Twitter that were like, wait, what the hell? I think the most important thing of this is to... Uh, I'm going to start the sentence over. I think the most important thing we have gleaned from this discussion of this story is that uh, we we have a new tagline we can use to promote Magic Story. Magic Story! We've got characters! They exist! There we go. <laughs> We've got Perfect marketing. characters and uh, plot beats and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Well, if it didn't do anything other than make you want more braids, then... Like, I think that's fine because I am, <laughs> I want more braids. She was so cool. Uh, I'm going to have to read those novels, aren't I? Or at least one of them. They're not available as ebooks, which is the worst oh, part. Yeah, because but... at least the Brothers War or the original Artifact Cycle books did get made into or re released as ebooks, made into ebooks, however you choose to interpret it, as of Dominaria 2018. Um, there's big gap for Dominaria set stories that just aren't available digitally, though. Uh, good news. There are 16 used copies of the Chainer's Torment paper <laughs> book starting from $13 on Amazon.com. Oh, wow. 
frankly, I only... I, I look, I wouldn't have said anything, but that's not bad. $13, though, I would rather pay, like, $100 and have, like, a 5% chance to get the one I wanted for $13, though. <sighs> well, there is one new one for fifty-two thirty. Somebody needs to make just grab bags of books. Those exist. <laughs> you might, you pay 250 bucks and you might get a copy of Chainer's Torment. You might get a copy of any of the other books in that block. You're taking a risk. I didn't realize Chainer's Torment was uh, by Scott McGill. Uh, anyways, we do have one third story to talk about. Uh, we're kind of tearing through these, but uh, this one's gonna go really quick because it's very very good all right like let me just state this is a good story uh it's by marcus charles smith who you may recognize as having written a couple of other really good stories uh from magic he wrote uh and they're good stories but they were a little controversial he wrote the blessing of blood back in uh the midnight hunt crimson vow yeah the story where audric gets turned into a vampire which was a little questionable uh, he also wrote uh, A Silent Voice Calls, which is Ken- uh, Killian Liu's story from uh, Strixhaven. So take that what you will. But this story is very good. Uh, I think it was written very well. I love the feel of it. It's uh, Faith in Birds. This story uh, is kind of a it's a Niambi story, which wasn't really expecting um, a whole story about Niambi, who is, if you are unfamiliar, uh, she is the daughter of Teferi and Subira. Uh, she is an accomplished healer and cleric in her own right. Um, but she is hanging out outside of the walls of Fimereth with uh, some Leonin. And not just any Leonin. These are Ifravan Leonins. These are uh, like the descendants of Jedi O'Janan. Uh, specifically, literally, the descendants of Jedi O'Janan are in the story. Um, she's like hanging out with a pregnant uh, Leonin and talking about like, having babies and she mentions that she has a daughter named Kakuya, I think. Um Niambi is like a dream reader, which means that she's like not only like a speaker and a healer and a cleric and all that, but she also is like an interpreter of dreams and uh has been having somewhat prophetic dreams about the Afravans, about like birds that are lost in an ocean and looking for a place to land and they find a rotten tree and they it's full of bugs. Um and then they eat all the bugs. Anyways, uh, <laughs> she's been having these dreams, uh, and she's uh, she's with these Ifravan who are led by descendants of Jedi Ojanan, specifically Zara Ojanan and Palar Ojanan. Palar is the one who is uh, pregnant. Um, Niambi has recently been in among the Council of Fimerif, which is described in good detail here, and they're like this whole hierarchy system and people who are of certain like levels there. Uh, they are being led by the um, magistrate, the sort of leader of Fimereth, who in this case is Sadar Tashunda. So he's a Sadar. He's like from that line of military generals and leaders. Um, he's invited her to come speak to them specifically about this Efraven situation. Uh, the Fimereth Council has made it illegal to assist the Efravans. They have said that uh, you're not allowed to give any aid to these people who are living in the desert and are trying to escape terrible, terrible things. Uh, there is no social commentary happening here. Um, nothing at all. Nothing nothing beyond the lines of a magic story. Um, but the council has made it illegal to help them. 
they don't want them in the inside the walls of the city, uh, despite the fact that there is a Phyrexian gargantua, some sort of giant Phyrexian monster that has emerged from the desert and is very slowly but surely approaching the city. Um, they don't want them in the city because some of the members of this council, including their like grand historian, who is the like chronicler of all of the history of Fimereth, uh, believes that that tribe of uh, cat people uh, is full of uh, sleeper agents. They think that like the Phyrexians have infiltrated them. They've turned some of them or all of them into sleeper agents. Uh, they don't like that Nyambi is on their side and they kick her out of the council. They're like, you're not allowed to be in here right now. We're not going to listen to you. Get out. Uh, and Nyambi is like, you know, a big name. <laughs> She's also like a very accomplished healer and a speaker. So it's a pretty big deal that they don't want to listen to her. Um, the Afravans have a, managed to find a underground tunnel that leads to an abandoned mine that they think will get them into the city. Uh, and they believe like it's worth it to like sneak into the city because if they get thrown in jail, they're at least behind the walls of the city when the Phyrexian shows up. Um, so they've all like gone into this mine or they're preparing to go into this mine. Uh, the mine, by the way, name drop is being like protected and prepared by uh Naomi's husband Dinnick. so we learned uh the name husband of her husband name yeah we learn a lot of names because she's also got another kid too she's got two kids jay expanding the family tree on twitter <laughs> has jay made a family tree yet i don't know i think so but, um yeah it's got a she's got like two kids and one of those kids is married she she anyways uh, Naomi is like hanging out with them and she sees that like these Afravans are like willing to do anything. It's a few days after she's been kicked out of the council chamber and she's like, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to speak with Siddhartha Shinda. Uh, and she's filled literally with the light of Asmira, you know, the Holy Avenger, the like, the like, uh, what do you call it? Patron saint, the, the like head saint of the church of Femoreth kind of. Uh, Asmira was like heavily involved in the uh, Mirage story. So you can go uh, check that out. Um, but she's going to go talk to Siddhartha Shunda and she goes to find him and she goes into the city and there's some guards who are in the way of his palace and they won't let her through. And then she tells them of this dream that she had uh, with like a deer and it was trapped in the mud and there was a fawn around the deer and there was a monster and the deer was trying to warn the fawn and all this stuff. And like, it's very good symbolism. Anyways, Tashunza's not there. Um, so <laughs> she turns around and she goes to the great hall where she finds Tashinda, who has not been sleeping. Uh, he's been having terrible dreams ever since she left. Uh, and so she goes and she talks to him. And is like, hey, like, you need to, to figure this out. You need to help these people uh, and to convince him she takes him to the mine where the Afravans are uh, and they walk in. And of course they meet Dinik, her husband. They meet Kakuya, her daughter. Uh, Mobuto is there, who is her like son who is also married. So for all we know, Teferi is a great grandpa. Um, anyways, uh, Tashinda ends up meeting Zar and Pilar Ojanin, the, the descendants of uh, Jedit. And, uh, Pilar has had her baby, Lark. She named the baby Lark after the birds and the trees. Uh, and Tashunda kind of has like a, a realization that like these people are good people and that they need help. 
and that they're better off together under one name and one city. Uh, some of the council shows up and they're being very rude, including the grand historian and like, uh, Dishunda's like, shut up. I'm in welcoming the Afravans into our city. Uh, and not only am I welcoming them in until this danger passes, I'm welcoming them in forever. They can just live here. We will now have Afravans in the, the city of Fimrath or in the nation of Fimrath. So uh, that's how the story ends with just like a, hey, we are better off together. I think there's like a really cool quote at the end. Um, Dishunda says where he's like, uh, we can no longer let our fear corrupt us. If an enemy finds his way in our midst, we must have faith that champions who stand among us will rise up and defeat them. So his response to sleeper agents is, yeah, bring it on. I think his response to sleeper agents was among us. <sighs> among us. Among us. <laughs> this story is so good. <laughs> it's so good, y'all. <laughs> It's really well written. It's really kind of got a lot of world building and character to it. Uh, Neombi is like wonderful. I loved it. It's just not a lot of action. You know, it's not an action story. Yeah. There's not like fighting. The plot is very like very easy to follow from like scene to scene. But a lot of what makes the story good is the way that the people speak to each other and like the conversations and stuff that are happening that I'm not going to just recant to all of you. Um so it's it's good. Yeah, it's also a level of detail and politics and world building that we basically had not seen from this corner of Dominaria for quite a long time. Like, I don't even know if it <laughs> Mirage was Mirage Yeah, I don't even know if it was developed that well in Mirage Block because I knew like there's some story about Tefiri and his interactions with the council then, but yeah. Like this really goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like the kind of world building that they're setting up in the story that could one day be really useful when they bring back Zalfir and they do a whole set in Jamura and do like Zalfir and Fimaref and Sugata and all that. So. Well, you already know Zalfir is coming back once Tafiri comes back from time because like butterfly effect and all. And it's going to like. I. <laughs> I think I think I've been trolling the Discord and like collective community about butterfly affecting the Tefiri time travel for uh, way too long now, and it's only been a month. Tefiri comes back, and uh, turns out that uh, Zafir is also back, but it's ruled over by these five dragon lords oh, now no. for some reason. <laughs> and now it's useless, and everybody hates it, and wish it went back to the way it was before. Um, but yeah. And returning Jidat to, like, you know, being name-dropped in a story at all. <laughs> <laughs> Character from literally Legends and then comics and then Legends cycle stories, uh, Legends cycles novels. Um, yeah. I think, like, having it line up with also um, importance of Tefiri and also just the legends retold series where they got to do do over a whole bunch of old cards significantly better is a uh, nice touch 
Yeah, isn't it weird if you, like, go back... Like, imagine going back to the launch of Legends and holding up a Jedi O'Janon card and being like, hey, guess what? This guy's gonna have more words written about him than almost any other magic character that's ever going to be printed. That's <laughs> weird to say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's also true. Yeah, technically. Just like... That's weird. Just like Dakin's, like, technically only in one story, despite being cult favorite character black, black boy yeah but like yeah. literally only the one comic and it's just like for a character they literally made statues of and like were ready to put on the face of um magic mm-hmm. in the early 90s oh th- not even just the early 90s like made the entire focal point of a big special set in modern horizons oh, yeah, 2 yeah. it's like hey what if we built a set kind of thematically around dak and black boy has more story now than dak and- <laughs> 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 yeah who does a gay adrenda because she's technically <laughs> yeah. been in two instead she's winning good for her we love to see a girl boss winning uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean she i guess they both turned up in battle mage right yeah but i don't even count it because like nobody's yeah nobody's really bothering with <laughs> oh but if we were like number crunching i would count it but it counts as one for either of them but only barely um, hey, isn't it pretty cool? I'm pretty sure it's Battle Mage that has the entire text of um, Caleb Ben Krug's Antiquities War. I think so. I think that's what I've heard. I would have um, to check on April's poke in the IO I'm site. Pretty, I'm pretty sure that's one of the things that uh, um, Battle Mage had in it. Anyway, unrelated to anything important, obviously. Well, I uh, am not an old school lore person, uh, so I didn't. I don't really know that much about all of that. I do know that I'm going to have to read the Brothers War now, though, because oh, so yeah. I mean, the main thing you need to know is, uh, you know, be, I just want to be clear to to carry at this point that uh, I am contractually obligated to make the following joke. Uh, to fairy just butterflies affects butterfly affects Lou Niptal into being a planeswalker. So, like, I could. That's not true. I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> I will. That got no re- You know, forget. We're just gonna leave this. We're not gonna mention it no, again. I was thinking. Of, just I was pretend m- nothing. Counting happened. in my head how many people would understand that joke outside of this podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're basically the Lou Niptal and Fram advocate. Um, that force, I, force Blade okay. to say the name. I, I I think if people people read the two stories for Mister I've appeared in more content than Dak and Black Blade Loot Niptal, um, I think people would like it. I think he's a fun character. Um, I think his two stories. There's one in Tapestries, one in Distant Plains. I think they're both very fun. Um. And I think if if those stories were like on the website and published today, I think people would really like the character. And so I think we should give him a chance. That's all I'm saying. I uh, I'll never say never to any character now because you know we've got uh, we've got cards for green sleeves. We got cards yeah, for uh, huh? for Garth. We have a card for Asmoran Amartika Dyson Akultakar. We are that's true. We, we do have Asmoran Amartika Dyson Akultakar. 
I like that anytime, uh, anytime that the show talks about old lore, especially distant planes, which happens weirdly regularly <laughs> for some reason, um, we always make it a point to say Asmarana, Martica, Dyson, Kuldakar as many times as we can. I think it's a it's a great mark of pride on the podcast that we can just say Asmarana, Martica, Dyson, Kuldakar just like that uh, and make it sound very simple and easy. Um, but you know. I never Good say it, us. and I refuse to learn it. <laughs> but anyway, well, I got you covered. Don't worry. Um, Anyways, that's these, the end of Dominar United story. These side by the stories way. We're, done. were good. Um, we got Ravenman. We got Return of Jared and Dahada, um, with no resolution to what happened during Planeswalker War for the most part. Um, we got Squee finally, a little less. Nicol Bolas face this time. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just happy with these side stories. They didn't ignore the fact that the Phyrexian stuff was going on, but also took advantage of it in more unique ways than, um, you know, other side stories during major, major plane events have. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and so, I mean, that's one of the things I really like about the Squeeze story. The Squeeze story, yeah, a big part of the story is Urtai and the sleeper agents, but the crux of the story is uh, about, hey, what's it like for uh, the goblin who can't die and who has lived for centuries? What kind of immortality? What does immortality do to a goblin and, and their psyche? And that's largely what that story is about. And we, you know, we get the Phyrexian stuff as some plot stuff and, you know, a little bit of thematic tie-in. Like, like it does reference this old rivalry, this old fight. It is, it is relevant to a lot of things, but it doesn't overshadow... Um, the main themes of the story and in fact works to support them and I think that's all very cool and clever and I love when that happens um, we got uh, I mean I, I it felt a little bit more forced into the Raven Man story but I think I think also just did a good job of like oh Liliana is being chased down by Phyrexians and she doesn't want to be part of this fight at all uh, and you know what's the main point of the story she's a really fucking great necromancer she deserves to be part of this lineage that Marisol and Limdul are have been sucked into this ring for. And like just really kind of uh, get the whole Liliana versus Fraxin just gets to be a little reminder of like, hey, this is who this character is. This is how her past connects to her future. Um and uh yeah so there's phyrexians here but they're not like the main focus and and i think a a lot of these stories did that real nice they've also at least since enestrad smoothed over the gap for planeswalkers who are mechanically obligated to appear in the set (laughs) and have no immediate impact on um, the core of the set story and making them kind of fit in. In fact, like the Tafiri Ren won won an award because it was so good. But like mm-hmm. just figuring out, like even if we're going to have this Planeswalker in the set, we can do something unique with them instead of shoehorning them mm-hmm. into um 
necessarily being at the center of the drama. It's like, yeah, Liliana knows what Phyrexians are and really doesn't want to fuck with them. Like, that's fine. <laughs> that's good enough. That's exactly how my attitude yeah. would be there. Like, I am not going to die for this. Um, I'm actually leaving and going to do my own thing and trust other people have it handled. The uh, the real delight, or uh, I guess delights, the like... The Liliana story made sense because it was like, all right, we've got to wrap up Liliana. The Jared and Dihada story made sense because, like, you know, we want to bring back these characters. Uh, and, like, it wasn't, like, totally... It was surprising to have that story. Um, but I think the the Nyambi story is the one that really, like, shocked me. Is like, why is this here? Like, what was the purpose of a Nyambi story? And then, like, after I read it, I was like, well, I'm glad this is here, but, like, it was it was unexpected in a good way yes. where I was like, I didn't think they would have a whole side story about Niambi and like Femoref and this like these Afrov and Leonin. Like it wasn't expected at all. And it was very nice to get it. It is what so um, many people on MTG Twitter always ask for is like, why don't we just have like side stories about like how it is for like normal people during these times? And it's like, this is the good side story about how it is for normal people during these times. <laughs> like uh -huh. how this is affecting the world. And people are like, we only ever get to see the Gatewatch. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're, like you can read the side stories instead if you want to and just absorb what you need to through that or get recommendations from friends who have read all of them. But yeah. Yeah, it was just it was pleasant. It was pleasant. Yeah, I, I thought the side stories for um, New Capenna also did a really good job of just mm -hmm. like, hey, just exploring crap that happens on this world sometimes. Um, and critically important there because New Plane. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, and not just new plane, but like plane that is very different than anything any we had we'd seen before. Because, yeah. um, frankly, uh, not to be judgmental of the online magic communities, but why you ain't been to New York City and it shows. <laughs> uh, God, New Capenna was fun to work on. Um, that sounds this sounds like we're wrapping up. Yeah, it sounds like it's sounds like it's a final thought. Sounds time. like it's final thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um shout out to uh October Rain. I got I really wish it was November so I can make Guns N' Roses jokes. But uh shout out to October Rain at midnight while I was in a hot tub with a very pretty person. And we were both stoned, and it was great. What a nice evening. I had a good week, folks. Uh, so, uh, this the final thoughts. Shout out to being gay and knowing wonderful people. And the the side story of existence is, is just vibing and having good experiences. And... Uh, we we don't forget to have good experiences in your life. Capitalism can suck it. It's the people you care about and who care about you that matter. Capitalism can suck it, but I did just see an ad on Instagram for a pumpkin patch <laughs> that features um features dinosaur encounters as part of their pumpkin patch sales. So uh, capitalism's innovations can't be beat. 
Dinosaurs are still alive and exist in the wild for free. This is, again, just capitalism selling you different kinds of dinosaurs, despite you already having free ones. Uh, my final thought is, uh, did y'all know um, that the lore behind Assassin's Creed was so incredibly wild? <laughs> I knew nothing about those games, and I had like an hour-long conversation today with Jay, where Jay Are we told me this thing is this the announcement of this thing? Yeah, I so guess? that's going to come out uh, soon-ish. <laughs> um, we recorded an episode about a uh, Assassin's Creed lore with lore master Jay and Ellie. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast too, um, and we Did recorded you? that today. Yeah, I mentioned it at the start. You were still asleep. Um, uh, kind of. That's fair. <laughs> so we're uh, we're gonna have that out sometime soonish. Uh, don't know exactly when. I'm gonna decide. I want to edit it and put it out in the world. But uh, God, the lore is just all over the place. That is a that is a game series. <laughs> that is that is a game series for sure. I know. I know very little about it. Uh, my freshman year of college. This is gonna date. Uh, a lot of things in the sense uh, my freshman year of college my roommate played the first one on xbox 360 um no i i date myself at the beginning of the episode by saying that the uh i rented the first one from a blockbuster uh-huh. to play on my xbox 360 uh at my parents house uh when i was living there as a child <laughs> so yeah you can't yeah. you can't get it from a blockbuster anymore, and good luck finding a good find, finding an Xbox 360 that's not dead. <laughs> All I remember is like some kind of secret society and projecting psyches back in time or whatever. I don't know. Well, we got like an hour long episode all about the lore that you're yeah. gonna have to listen to. It's it's fun. It's- that's uh, Beyond the Multiverse, a very small series we think... I think we did, like, two episodes of before. Yeah. Or three. And I want to do more. We need to get a Warhammer expert on I and uh, did, make that happen. Ethan, I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Fleischer, when you listen to this part of the episode, please send... Uh, just send just send me a DM if you would like to be part of like an hour-ish long episode talking about the lore of Warhammer um, sometime in the next month, if that is something you would like to do, just talk to me about it. Boom. Done. Responsible. I, I did. I took initiative. That's taking initiative. Uh, Carrie, final thoughts? Uh, get your flu shots. Dumbasses. Yeah. Go out there. Get <laughs> stabbed go home feel sore for a little bit live on it's worth it and uh if you if you haven't gotten uh your additional uh if you haven't gotten your additional booster and won't get turned down by a hospital but accepted by a cvs or walgreens (laughs) go do that as has been chris and my experience at least so Mm -hmm. um they'll they'll stab you they'll stab you for free and they'll give you a cool little sticker so a little sticker that goes over your arm called a band-aid because that's what I call oh. them, apparently. <laughs> uh, speaking oh, of stickers, um, I have nothing to say. But <laughs> uh, that'll be relevant sometime in the future. Sometime, if the Vorthos cast ever sometime. did stickers, who knows? 
I I think if we ever did stickers, that would be cool. We could even now have regular logo stickers and Phyrexian logo stickers. I think that could be neat. Um, And if you also think the Vorthos cast is neat, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast, where you can show us how many dollars worth of neat you (laughs) think the podcast is. (laughs) How many dollars worth of neat do you need to participate in the Discord or listen live on the Discord calls? Oh, well, so just one neat dollar a month, uh, and you get access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are asking me questions like, what does Mishra transform into? What could it be? Um, Because that book is 25 years old and nobody knows about it. but also, we do have, uh, you know, impending brothers for preview season, and like, I, as a person who wrote creative text on the set, I cannot express enough how cool the set is and how many deep cuts it has. Jay also worked on it, so like, we're guaranteeing really good juicy flavor it's gonna be a really good flavor gems episode i can tell you that already and if you want to be in a place where you get to hear all of that firsthand and talk about it with people who appreciate lore as much as you our discord is where you want to be uh, and as carrie mentioned we do also have a live listen tier for i think it's five a month it's three we it's lowered three. it a long time ago we did yeah. load. okay so you know whatever time is made up um three dollars a month you can be part of the live listen tier um we record on thursday nights around 7 p.m eastern time i say around because we started about 25 minutes late today for some reason we won't go into details on that um but you get to listen to the episode a couple days early chat with us before and after the show hang out have a good time it's a lot of fun um obviously very specific time requirement for that but if that's something you're interested in that option is there too and uh i think patreon's pretty cool i think this show's pretty cool i like that we get to keep making it we're like 220 something i don't know what episode number this is we've made a lot of this show uh so uh you know and that's because of y'all listeners so thank you all folks out there uh for listening This has been the Vorthos Cast.